and welcome to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and today we're going to be discussing what for some advisors is a joy and others a chore, having uncomfortable conversations with clients. Maybe they're spending faster than what their plan calls for. Maybe investment performance won't support the level of spend in retirement we all agreed on. Maybe it's asking for a referral or asking about adult children having their own account or a change in fee schedules. Somewhere along the line, there's a number of uncomfortable discussions that financial advisors simply must engage in from time to time with clients. For an expert approach to dealing with these tough talks, today we're welcoming Diane McPhee, business coach with DMAC Consulting to the program. Diane is a professional business coach working exclusively with financial planning sector. Diane earned her CFP in 1989 and operated a successful solo practice for 16 years, specializing in retirement planning for middle to high net worth clients. In 1994, she converted her practice from fee commission to fee only and achieved a whole new level of success. As a coach, Diane now focuses on enhancing clients' business and their personal lives in a measurable and meaningful way. Diane offers clients a customized sales and business development enhancement program that helps clients identify, plan for, and achieve success. A sought-after presenter, Diane has appeared on both CNBC and Wall Street Week. She's been featured in Wall Street Journal, Cosmopolitan, Consumer Reports, more, Fortune, and Ladies Home Journal. Diane served for three years as membership director for the National Board of the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Has presented at multiple conferences over the last 25 years on a variety of practice management topics. Welcome to the program, Diane. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you, David. Likewise, it is a pleasure to be your guest. Diane, I think we can all agree that there are several occasions when financial advisors have tough conversations with clients. I think we've all been there at some point. We've heard from many listeners that they came away from those conversations wanting to do better the next time, feeling that things didn't go as well as they expected. When you're coaching a client, talking about these types of discussions, where do you start? Sure, sure. Um, in the beginning of a coaching session in general, I might ask the uh, coaching client, where do, where do you want to focus today? What's top of mind? In this instance, if an advisor's re response is, I had a really difficult uh, conversation with a, one of my own financial planning clients, and perhaps they're expressing regret or frustration over a client appointment that did not go well, the first place I start is I'll say, all right, let, let's get your emotions in check. Just you know, slow down, take a deep breath. Um, rather than revisit your pain over the appointment so much, let's recreate the appointment. You know, how could it have gone differently? Um, I'm often surprised at how many times there was no mental preparation before the appointment. Uh, typically advisors, they're, they're so darn busy, you know, phone calls, emails, et cetera, going from one client appointment to another back to back. It's fine if prior to that day, you actually visualize the outcome that you want in each of your individual client meetings. That is good preparation on your part. And, and we talk about that. Um, if, you, if you're anticipating tough client feedback, rather than dread it, just get yourself prepared with some excellent questions, some non-defensive statements where you can convey a calm, confident manner and, and not a dismissive, you're not dismissive of the client, but just very calm and confident. That's where you know, I kick off the, the beginning of, of addressing this issue. So you've got mental preparation, you've got physical preparation, you've got mindset uh, preparation. Is there a, a tried and true or a really good way to open 
those difficult conversations that, that puts the advisor and the client at ease, reduces their stress? Yeah, yeah, there is, Dave. It's, um, it's about focusing on the client. Um, you know, don't just forge ahead with your preconceived uh, script on, you know, the, the benefits of diversification. Instead, the way to open up these discussions, especially if you can sense in the room that the client's not happy if it is an in-office appointment, you want to just, you know, mention, I'd like to kick off our meeting today uh, with, you know, asking you, can you share your thoughts, your questions, your concerns? I, I would like to hear how you feel about your financial situation. That is a very good way to open up the discussion because it shows that you're not afraid to hear what feedback that they have. And more importantly, you respect them enough instead of jumping into your own script to be asking them what's on their mind. So, so it's very important to let them clear out their issues and what's on their mind. Otherwise, they're, they're blocked. They're not really hearing you. A little empathy, a little opener, something simple that they can expound upon so they know you're listening. That's terrific advice. Um, you've dealt with a lot of other businesses as well as financial advisors. When you compare the two, uh, do you feel financial advisors have a tougher time with some of these conversations than other professionals, say attorneys or CPAs or doctors? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, I, I do. I feel that the financial advisors have such a greater challenge because it's born out of the client's expectations. And the financial advisor's client has a lot more expectations of the relationship than they normally would in a, well, a CPA might be more narrowly focused than an attorney. An attorney probably would be a discipline that's closest to um, a doctor, maybe a little bit more out of, the, out of the realm. But if I stick with CPA and attorney for a moment, um, there's no investment performance. There's no unfortunate scenario per se. It's pretty, uh, yeah, easy to, you know, what, what is the expectation? And there is no performance expectation with the CPA and attorney. That's one thing. The second thing is the fees, the, the disparity and the um, variety of fee schedules in our profession, it, it's very challenging. You know, if you have, um, uh, you're trying to do a full explanation or a comparison of fees with other advisors, sometimes that fee discussion goes on too long. Where with a CPA or an attorney, it could be hourly or retainer, it's just very straightforward, very clear. So cut and dried information and setting expectations should alleviate some of that and, and give you a better, better time of it as a financial advisor. Very astute. Yes, that's correct. Now, having worked with a bunch of financial advisors, you can sort of gain some, some broad knowledge of, of trends. Are there areas or skills financial advisors lack in, in communicating with clients that they can work on sort of on their own, self-coached or, or through someone like you? Yeah, yeah. And, and whether it's self-coach, whether it's me or whether it's their colleagues, if they have colleagues that they trust and they can provide support to one another, um, it's, it's actually not a skill. It's not skills that I would focus on. It's more internal than that. It's about self-limiting beliefs. It's about um, the negative mind chatter, the fear, the angst. It's about that uh, instead of on the, on the you know, op in contrast to that, I want my advisors to develop a level of confidence, a level of conviction that comes across that a client can see. And, and, and that is just worth its weight in gold. Um, you want to avoid the fear-based mental chatter. I can't afford to lose this client. 
that vibe will be really present if that's what's going on in you. So instead, you want to cultivate a mindset where you do feel that your value is substantial and you stand in that value and you do it in a confident manner, but not an arrogant manner. And when you achieve that level and you demonstrate that authenticity, these conversations, they, they go very well. You come across very calm and confident. And that is, is really more important to me than a technical skill. So really, it's not about memorizing scripts and it's not about uh, knowing lines or, or feeling one way or another. It's more of a mental mindset, something along the lines of confidence that comes with some experience and some good feedback and, and the mental preparedness to believe in yourself. Does yeah. that sound uh, essentially what we're talking about? That's, ex that's spot on, Dave. Um, the uh, mental preparedness is what I believe supports self-confidence. When a person, you know, I, I remember on, on um, my Michael Kitz's podcast, I said, lack of preparation breeds lack of confidence. I love that expression. It's true. If you feel prepared, you are confident. If you feel unprepared, you are not in a good place. So, so that's one thing. And the, and the other uh Part of that also is that you're coming across to a client as as real and 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 easy to be with because you're not you're, you're not doing this robotic script. I use script in my coaching sessions, meaning that yes, I want you all to prepare. I want you to prepare a script, but when I say script, I really mean that very loosely. Yeah, this is exactly what what we've seen in other advisories that we've talked to here. Uh, the confidence is key. But part of that confidence is, is being yourself and being authentic. Mm -hmm. um, now, some people are going to take some time to do that because they're very focused on, on the job itself rather than the communication of the job. While they're working up to that level of confidence, are there ways advisors can sort of sidestep some of these uh, conversations and, and find another way to express the information without having to worry about that? Yeah, um, I actually, I wouldn't advise sidestepping. I wouldn't advise preempting. I wouldn't advise any of that. I always tell my advisors, work off of the client. Focus on the client. Be present with the client. So when the client responds to something that you've asked or said, work off of that rather than, you know, sidestepping or whatever. So, you know, do you really know that if you're not, like, are they free to speak first? Let them be the one to speak first and follow their lead. I think that's advice we can all use no matter what we're doing. Um, now, you and I had some technical issues today getting started with this interview. Has the adoption of technology affected an advisor's approach to some of these difficult conversations? Is putting that screen distance between you and them uh, an efficient way to do things, or does it do more harm than good? Yeah, uh, great point. Um, the the technology, I think, is is definitely an enhancement that should be used. Uh, you and I were very patient today. I've learned in 12 years of coaching and 16 years of financial planning to just be very comfortable. If something happens, we'll figure it out, we'll work it out. And, and advisors should not be freaking out if something doesn't go well with the client. What I normally tell my advisors is, um, if you cannot meet in person, which is obviously ideal, um, if a client is out of state, you offer them the option of video or phone. I will tell you, interestingly enough, two thirds of my coaching clients prefer phone over video. 
a number of people are distracted by video. <laughs> They're distracted. Nobody wants to get dressed up to talk to their advisor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more pajamas on the video. That's right. So, so yeah. So it, it's, uh, but for the clients that do like video, of course it's wonderful. They're in the comfort of their home. They like the eye to eye connection. So, so that's all, all great. But I often say to my advisors, tell the client that we might have a glitch. This way, the client isn't getting all irritated and all aggravated. You know, many people go down this rabbit hole of, well, I don't know if it's on my end or your end. It matters not. It is, it's, you know, it matters not. There's no blame game or anything like that. Just get past all of that by saying, well, you know, we're having a glitch or whatever. Maybe we should just switch to phone, something along those lines. Um, but, but you want to ask the client, would you be comfortable with a video since we're not in the same state? I have found it to be very successful with other clients. And then you would follow that up with, we might have a glitch, but let's see if we can work our way through it. And if they say, no, 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 I don't want to be on video. Absolutely. You just go to phone. See, those, those sound like terrific ways to go. And it sounded like some of those situations you've encountered multiple times because the consistency amongst how you started some of those sentences is amazing. I noticed, remembered some of them from my very early training days and it, it makes perfect sense, the, the feel, felt, found sort of approach to things. Yes. It sets people's expectations very nicely. Is there, although you don't use scripts, I know that, can you give us an example of a very effective opening to a tough conversation that a client you've worked with has found to work well? Something that you know you can almost automatically dig out of your toolbox and get the thing rolling with and be safe. Sure, sure. Um, and, and, and again, uh, I did say earlier, it's, it's almost like a loose use, a loose use, <laughs> using loosely a script. It, it's, you know, I just don't want somebody to be married to the script. You know, I mm -hmm. want them to feel that they should speak naturally, but should they have a script? Absolutely, you should be prepared. So when you're opening a difficult conversation, it really, it, it's very pertinent to what is the issue. Is it investment performance? Is it, oh gosh, I got to raise their fee and this, you know, I'd rather... I'd rather paint my house than read, you know, like what, what is, uh, so, so the, the, the difficult uh, areas, the script should be first around, as I mentioned, you focus on the client and let them air their thoughts, et cetera. But if you proactively have to bring up something that's difficult, um, you want to be able to say, listen, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, share something with you. I want your input. Um, you know, like, let's say with investment performance, we have not had a good quarter. Uh, however, let's revisit what we both agreed upon, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir when it comes to advisors. They may know what to say. And I tell them, yes, you know what to say, but I want you to learn how to uh, control the delivery and the tone of your voice. Yeah, that's what I was getting at is sort of a, 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 not a set of lines necessarily, but sort of an approach, a general sort of uh, a gentle way to get into some of these things that you know is going to be very effective. Yes. And, and uh, along that line, I often say it sounds corny, but I like the word share. You know, I want to share my thoughts with you. Um, would you share your thoughts with me? It's a very warm word and it's a bonding word. So I am, I am very, um, uh, very, carefully focused on the language and the words that my advisors use. I believe language is very powerful and something can go in one direction or another based on your tone of voice and based on what you chose to actually say. Oh, how you say it certainly is as important, if not more so than what you say in most cases. Uh, and, and we found that some of the best advisors are the ones that, that say the right things, but it's usually the least things. 
<laughs> they tend to talk past the sale too often, trying to cover up whatever inadequacies they feel are there. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll learn about how to control the conversation for better results. Mm-hmm. About And here's some examples of how to get through some of those uh, tougher calls on the phone. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Are you an RIA or solo financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice but feel like you need some help? Feel like there are lots of growth options and choices out there but don't have time to research them and don't want to make an expensive mistake? Want to spend more time finding and helping clients instead of time-consuming investment research, compliance checks, or transactional work? If you answered yes to any of these, Pinnacle Advisor Solutions has the answers you need with a wide range of outsource options and top-rated professional investment management and financial planning support, Pinnacle has a solution that fits your needs, budget, and circumstances to help you scale up, grow your practice, or put a succession plan in place. Call to get more information or set up an appointment with a senior representative at 201-919-4838. And we're back with Diane McPhee discussing difficult client conversations. Diane, what's the most difficult type of conversations advisors have to have in any frequency? What, what do they normally trip over all the time? Yeah, this is such an easy question for me. Hands down, undoubtedly, it's when they have to raise the fee. They, they acknowledge the fact that historically they've been undercharging and they have, to, they have to proactively bring up a topic that the client may not even be expecting. So, um, you know, if I may, I'll go into, I, 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 for lack of an eloquent title, I call it the one-third, one-third, one-third McPhee technique. <laughs> so the first one-third of the conversation is you revisit the work you've done with this client to articulate the value. That is the first one-third of the conversation. You must um, arti- articulate the value by saying, let's take a walk down memory lane. Let's look at the history of the work that we've accomplished together and you start bringing up a few things where the client's nodding and they're saying, oh my gosh, I forgot we did that. Oh wow, that's right, we did that too. So we're doing that as a customary part of the meeting. I just wanted to review the history of our work together. Um, I don't normally, I always tell advisors, I don't like using the word account. It sounds too broker dealerish. I would say we, I'd like to revisit the work that we've done together. I'd like to revisit the financial planning that we have accomplished in the past. So when you are finished, you know, boom, 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 noting those points, you then, it's an awkward segue. And I say to my advisors, it does not have to be an awkward segue. You just merely say, let's move on to the fee for your situation. Now that may be the first clue that they're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, are we getting a rate or, you know, is my fee being increased? And, and I said this on my other podcast, uh, I don't use the word increase and I don't use the word raise. I use it in my coaching calls. I'll say raise the fee or increase. But with a client, you say, well, you know, historically, I've been undercharging. I'm correcting that situation across the board with everyone so they don't feel like they're the only one. And I say to the advisor, please say, I've adjusted your fee accordingly. I looked at all of the work that we've done. I, I you know, firmly believe I've been very fair with the new fee schedule for everyone. So I wanted to share that with you. Your fee is now, Dave, this is the funniest part. This is where they don't say anything. They quote the fee and they stop talking. No nervousness, no packing on more and more. 
stop talking and let that, let that land on the client. That's perfect. I've heard that in negotiation skills courses and, and endless real situations. And it really, really does work. You say the number and you let it land and you shut up. <laughs> exactly. And then we're still, we're still in the middle one third phase because right. you let them react. You say to them, I completely understand your reaction or I completely respect your thoughts on this matter. Um, do you have any questions for me? But where I want my, my uh, coaching clients, my advisors to stand firm is to say, I gave this a lot of thought. I, I'm, I feel very heartfelt that it's a very fair fee. So, you know, there is no negotiation. And for God's sakes, there is never, ever, ever a discount. Never. <laughs> no discount. All right. Yeah. So then when, when you've covered that ground and they're like, well, you know, they're either going to be like, all right, fine. Or no, no way. This is way too much. Or, you know, I need to go home and think about it. So for the moment, let me put that aside. When those three situations, your last one third of this meeting, you do not want to end a client meeting on a fee discussion. That is not a good move. So what you say instead is, well, you need some time to think about it. Of course, no worries. Let's move on. And again, that's that segue. Let's move on. And then I, I always say, avoid the word if. I, I will, you know, coach my advisors. Should we work together going forward? And that's their first moment. Wow, you know, Diane's not kidding. Like if if I don't pay her fee, I'm not working with her. And that's I want that, you know calm confidence to be like, look, I'm not going to negotiate. I'm not going, you know, take whatever time, but should we work together going forward? Let me share with you what that would look like. And then you go into positive territory and you mentioned, here's the planning that we were counting on doing for you. And then that's, it's very attractive. That's fantastic. I, I can see that, that you can be very successful as a coach because all this would work perfectly. Yeah. Now, having seen a bunch of other uh, instances, we know that everybody has difficulty with the fee uh, conversation. We've discovered that. But are there types of client challenges that you think should be easy that you find advisors struggle with? Is, is there is something that surprises you for the amount of trouble it causes for how small it is? Um, no, probably because I respect that if, if advi I mean, advisors in, uh, on a whole, they're very bright people. They're very capable people. So if they're challenged by something, I'm going to give them you know benefit of a doubt that it's just a rough thing emotionally or whatever. The other big area, obviously, is <laughs> I tell my advisors, you can tell them until you're blue in the face and you're going to have to go back and explain investment performance again. You know, it's just so frustrating. So sometimes I tell them, you know, you have to get the irritation out of your voice if if the client is upset, and let's say the client's irrationally upset, it's maybe 10% of the portfolio is underperforming. I know that you're irritated, but you can't say it's only 10%. Instead, you just say, well, let's, let's, let's revisit what we've always talked about from the beginning. And you just, if you have to repeat it a hundred times, I always kid my advisors, that's why you get the big bucks. You know, you just keep your, keep your emotions in check but the justifying a dismal performance period is likely the other big one. So that you hear a lot. Is there something you hear over and over again that, that you can fix immediately? Is there one recurring problem in client after client after client that always seems to come up? Uh, there is one that I think uh, this is incumbent upon the advisors. They would, they would avoid this if they were ahead of the curve. It's, 
and, and then there are so many advisors that are going to say to me, yeah, Diane, that's me. And I was an advisor and I was this person. It's when you're in a meeting and you say, uh, yeah, Dave, I think I'm going to get you, you know, I'm going to put $20,000 more in your international sector. And you say, great, I agree to that. And then I go to another appointment and then another appointment. And then the next day the phones are ringing. And before I know it, two weeks have gone by and I have not executed at all on my intention to buy you the international. So then the client, they start checking the portal and they're, and they're like, wow, where was this fund that we talked about? So the worst phone call an advisor can get, which you know it's brought upon by themselves, is when the client calls up and says, I thought we agreed to X, Y, Z. Did you not do it? That is, a, that is just an awful phone call. So I always say to my advisors, this is why you have CRMs. This is why we debrief after meetings. You, you must not promise a follow-up activity and then drop the ball on it. Wow. That, I can see why that would make clients incredibly upset. Yeah. Uh, some of your advisors, I'm sure, have come up against difficult topics that are a little beyond just the scope of financial planning. Um, some of the more difficult topics I can think of are some of the things having to do with uh, maybe legacy planning or, or um, investment planning for the future or trusts or any of those things that are conveyance vehicles for uh, leaving to the next generation. Mm -hmm. Are those really about money or are they more about family and control in your yeah, I, I don't I don't often believe it's about money. I believe that it's about um, the process an advisor uses with a new client should be very deep in the beginning so that they really truly understand the client. So when it comes around to these legacy conversations, they hopefully know their client very well already and they're able to say, you know, I'm hearing something that you're not saying. Or, or there seems to be something in the background or something underlying that we just need to pop to the surface. That's a talented advisor. That sounds like someone who's extremely empathetic and, and plugged into their client's psyche like no other and should be very successful as an advisor as a result. Yes. Um, can you give us an example of a coaching client you've had who you've helped get through some difficult conversations with their clients? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, um, the, the, common challenge of, you know, why is my portfolio not doing well, et cetera. Um, I, the one, the, my, in a composite sense, my advisors who uh, do well with the challenges, I believe it's, it starts with the origin of the, of, the, of the relationship. It starts with setting the expectations. Now, in addition to that, which is a pretty much that's stating the obvious. So let me go another level up. When you do that, you then have to hold the client responsible. They, the client, the financial planning client itself, you say to them, listen, this is not me doing everything. We are engaged in a relationship where you are also responsible to remain educated, remain engaged. I am to educate you, but you are to you know, stay on top of understanding when we say, don't fall prey to emotions. Diversification works. You just need patience, et cetera. So many times when advisors are uh, struggling, I have to say it goes back to the fact that they might be a little afraid to hold the client responsible. And, and I will remind the, if I'm an advisor, I'll say, well, now hold on. When we first decided to work together, 
you you knew that this was also part of the game plan that you were going to be okay with this. Now, if, if things have changed and we need to alter the investment policy statement, I want to hear from you why you think the investment policy statement needs to be changed. And they're like, well, I, I don't want to change the policy statement. I just don't like the performance. And then I, I usually, and humor works, humor works. I, I say things like, wow, okay, that's a dilemma. You know, because you have to be a normal person with these people. Like, well, where do you see me solving this for you? Yeah, they're giving you things that aren't your responsibility and you have to hold their feet to the fire. That's that's tough to do. Yeah. Um, we've talked about how you need to let the client lead a little bit and how you have to play off the client in order to get the conversation to go smoothly. Uh, but in, in some instances, especially if we're talking to somebody who's fairly new and may not be fully on board with some of these things, are there ways for, for advisors to get better control of the conversation, to guide it more thoroughly uh, in the direction they need it to go? And it's something that our, our advisors can adopt for their own uh, right away and start using. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny. I know, Dave, you're experienced in selling techniques. A good, uh, a, a, a talented selling uh, a, a, a person who does well in sales is the one who, when they ask very good questions, they listened very closely to the answer. They didn't repeat in an annoying way. Well, what I heard you say is, I mean, it just, just like sets a person off. I'm like, Please speak normally, speak normally. So I might say, Dave, uh, you mentioned to me that you have elder parents. So let me, let me, let me go back to that point for a moment. So now I prove that I've listened to you. So, and this is for new advisors. They must prove that they listen. When they repeat back, not repeating in a robotic fashion, but in a normal fashion, they would say something along the lines, uh, this is not an uncommon issue. We have clients that we've done excellent financial planning in this area for. In fact, just last month, we had someone come in. Now, again, you can't be too transparent and make the person that you're referencing look identical to the person across from you. You have to be really very good about this. But where I'm going with this is the advisor who's sitting with a client and let's say the advisor's new, they put so much pressure on themselves and really all they need to do is ask very good questions, be very present in, in, a, in a way that's not obnoxious, repeat back what they heard and then match that need with, well, for instance, this is the work we do. We will help you with the elderly parent. We go the extra mile. We won't just do financial planning. We'll get on the phone with some of the communities in your, in your parents' area. And, and if you need assistance, that's what we do. We will be there for you. That's a good, that's a good advisor. So it's listen and then reiterate in a different way mm -hmm. and then add the benefit that you offer that will solve the problem. Correct. Correct. That sounds like a, a recipe for success in any number of things. Um, let's talk about the environment for a minute. Mm -hmm. if, if you have a choice, some offices mandate how this works and some don't, but if you're a solo or a smaller one, you're making these decisions either on your own or on the fly. Is the environment a good key to help change some of these negative outcomes into positives? Is it better to be having them comfortable in their own home or should you, you rely on the sort of the cloak of professionalism and make them come to your office for these things. Yeah, um, and this again, as I suppose it goes to personal bias. Um, I'm not a fan of fee-only financial advisors going out to the home. I, do, I actually even coach a few that do, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that if I had my choices, 
I believe that the client coming into the office sets a good tone. It just does. It, you know, it's, it's a, a, and it's not because the environment's familiar and comfortable to the advisor. I want the environment to be comfortable for the incoming client as well. I mean, many of our advisors now are using living room type of conference rooms, you know, gone is the desk and coffee table and chair, et cetera. So, so the environment, um, it, it's, it's about, uh, being able to, um, if they, if you, if you go to the home, I'd rather much prefer a video where they're in their home. If they don't want to come into the office, I would suggest a video session before I would get in my car and go to their home. I just, I, I feel as if, um, either, you know, the client coming to your office or a video session, in my opinion, is a little bit more of a professional setting. Now, having said that, I have a client who goes to their, the homes of his, his uh, clients, and he does very well. So again, anything any coach ever says is never gospel for every single person out there. Never 100%. You can't take generalities and make them specific. But in general, I, I tend to agree with you. Setting the professional tone that an office gives you, it, it gives them a little stake in the game. It makes sure they've gotten up and, and thought about all this before they got there. It gives you time to prepare, and it puts your resources close at hand if you need to show them something print out a report, get a piece of paperwork, something that can be done relatively quickly without having to wait. Yeah, not, Dave, not to mention, I know your area, my area, traffic. <laughs> so oh, yeah. we waste some time to be commuting. That's true. And, and the driving back and forth can eat up a lot of uh, potentially useful advisor time. Mm -hmm. um, Diane, we're coming up on the end of our session. Mm -hmm. Is there one thing you would like our listeners to be left with from our discussion that, that you can impart upon them that they can apply to their practice right now and see results? I, I do. Um, I don't want anyone winging anything. What happens is everybody wants revenue. So they invite floods of people when they can into their practice and they're going from meeting to meeting to meeting and it gets crazy and then they get anxious and they're not feeling as prepared. It, I, I, I want to say to everybody, sometimes you need to stop the train actually think about a waiting list, even though that's, you know, for some people like, no, oh my gosh, I could never say no to the revenue now, where a waiting list, to be honest, is quite attractive to a number of people. They think, wow, this person's, you know, and, and I wouldn't do a waiting list unless you really needed to do it. But, but mostly it's, you know, don't wing anything, prepare in advance, even if you're driving to work and you know the clients for the day, picture, you know, what's my desired outcome? What do I want the end of the meeting to look like when I wrap up with these clients? take the five to 15 minutes to do that where you've prepared and, and, and in so doing your confidence level goes up. It does. If you just took the extra time to prepare. So really the key steps to all of this, if, if I can summarize real briefly, uh, ask good questions, listen carefully to the answers, prepare immaculately, get your head right and lead the conversation in a way that the client feels comfortable with. Does that yes. sound about right? I have, I have one more dorky, dorky suggestion related, Dave. I tell my advisors, I don't care how dorky this sounds. I want you to go in your office, close your door, or go in your car, and I want you to practice out loud saying the question or saying the statement so it's not the first time with the client. That's wonderful because how it sounds in your head is different than how it comes out of your mouth. Very, sometimes. very. I run into this all the time, and it's very useful advice. Yes. Diane, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll come back and visit us again because this has been a tremendous experience. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I very much appreciate the opportunity. You're quite welcome.
We've been speaking with Diane McBee of DMAC Consulting about how to have difficult conversations successfully with clients. If you have questions about how to hold and navigate difficult client conversations or anything else you've heard on this program, drop us a line at 4advisors at pinnacleadvisory.com and we'll get you some answers as quickly as we can. You've been listening to 4 Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're listening to 4 Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the legal intent or nature of Pinnacle Advisor Solutions, Pinnacle Advisory Group, or its senior management. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice, and opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such.